sing bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing Father, we stand here today, God, humbled by your love, humbled by your greatness, and we bless your name. Father, no matter where we are, no matter what's going on in our lives, Father, we can still find reasons to praise you and to bless you and to honor you. And God, we stand before you right now just thanking you for being God, thanking you for your love that never fails, thanking you for speaking to us and revealing things to us that you want us to know. God, we want to know you more, and so we draw close to you. And we know that you won't run away from us, but you'll draw near to us too. We worship you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Hey, it's great to see you today. As you came in, you received a folder. And on the inside, there's a card. I'd like you to go ahead and take that out right now. One of the things we pointed out last week is that we've redesigned... I've got to straighten out here. I'm sorry. Don't mind me. But anyway, one of the things that um, we did is redesigned the uh, card a little bit so that you have a lot more space on the back for prayer requests. So if you have something that you want us to be praying for with you, uh, make sure you go ahead and take advantage of that space. And we're glad to join you in praying. It was really cool last week. Uh, Many, many more people than usual included uh, prayer requests. And it's, it's great to be able to join with you in that. These are some things that we're going to be handing around during our sermon this morning as we talk about this concept of our spiritual pathway. It's a discussion that we started last week. Spiritual pathway is really the idea of the way that we connect with God, the way that we grow in devotion with Him, in intimacy with Him. And I want to make clear, just like I did last week, that when we talk about spiritual pathways, we're not suggesting that there are many roads to salvation, that there are many different ways to have a relationship with God. The Bible is clear about this, adamant. One way to God through Jesus, period. But the Bible also helps us to understand that there are many ways to grow in intimacy with God, that we're all wired a little differently based on our personality, Based on our experiences, we all have a different wiring, and that wiring is what helps us to connect with God in different ways. Use the example last week of my family, that each of my kids and my wife have very different ways of making requests of me. They're all good at making a request, they're all good at communicating, but they all have a different way of doing that based on their personality. Well, God has all these children in the world, and all of his children have a little bit different way of connecting with them. Some are more direct, some are a little more subtle, but we all have different ways of of growing in, in intimacy with God. The Bible tells us in the book of James that if we come close to God, he will come close to us. An amazing verse when you think about it. 
that if we take the time to walk our pathway, to get closer to God, he in turn draws closer to us. This isn't a verse about salvation. It's not a verse about getting, uh, coming into a relationship with God. This is a verse written to those who already have that relationship. And he's saying, the closer you get to me, the closer I'll get to you as well. And that is really all about this concept of walking and working spiritual pathway. Uh, God designed a way for you, employing unique aspects of your personality and your nature to grow you into deeper intimacy with him. And that's what we're calling a spiritual pathway. Now, inside of your folder, there's a list of nine in all. And you have nine here on the screen as well. We went through and described these last week. So if you weren't here, catch the podcast and you'll get the description. And what we encourage you to do is to try to identify your own pathway. Which one best relates to you? So if you're the naturalist, you connect with God through nature and outdoors. The sensate, through the senses, touch, smell, all the different senses a human being has. Traditionalist loves ritual and symbol. That's when they draw closest to God. The ascetic is a person who loves solitude and simplicity. They draw close to God through the spiritual disciplines. An activist is about bringing about social change. And in doing that, there's a closeness with God that grows. And the same is true for the caregiver who brings mercy and serves in situations of brokenness. The enthusiast is a person who enjoys what we're doing right here, right now. They love gathering with a group of people to sing and praise and worship God in a public setting with others. The contemplative, they like adoration and devotion. They're, they're gonna, they enjoy some seclusion, the quiet time where they can be alone with God. And then finally, the intellectual is the person who through study and thought draws into a closer relationship with him. Now, if you're wondering what yours is, maybe you just look at the list And you know how you've connected with God in the past through one of these words. But maybe you're wondering, there's actually a site that you can go to that offers a a pretty simple 45-question test. You rank the statements from 1 to 5, 1 being lowest, 5 being highest. And you go ahead and on through that. And then if you hit total, I think actually the word is calculate. If you hit calculate, it'll give you an idea of what your scores are. If you score 20 or above in an area, that's probably a pathway for you. If you score 10 or below in an area, that's probably not a pathway for you. And what you'll find is that you probably have one dominant pathway, but you may actually have a few. For me, I have about three and a half. There are three that come out pretty high and one that's a pretty close fourth. And as I look at all those pathways, they all complement each other. They all work together. And that's what you'll find with yours as well, that you may have two or three and they really work together in connecting you with God. As I was able to have conversations about this concept with this pa- people this past week about spiritual pathways, I thought there was a clarification that I needed to make as, as we're talking about this today. A true spiritual pathway enriches our intimacy with God. It's important that you hear that because what we're not saying is simply, I like caregiving. Or I like getting involved in social causes. Or I really like being quiet. Or I really like singing. That's not the point. The point is that the pathway 
draws you closer to God. There are people who do caregiving, and it's not drawing them closer to God at all. They're just offering care. There's nothing wrong with offering care, but it's not leading them into deeper intimacy. There are people for whom silence makes them crazy. So being alone is not working for them at all. So the pathway is drawing me closer to God. There's really a question you need to ask, and that is, does this draw me closer to God? Not just do I like it, but am I closer to God because of it? I think of the caregiver and the activist in particular. These are people who, through what they're doing, would be drawn into deeper dependence on God. God, I need you for what I'm doing here. And so there's that dependence that grows because of what they're doing in that moment. So maybe a picture for you, one that I hope will help. We need to be more like a chameleon. Now, I've got to admit to you, generally, I don't use a chameleon as a spiritual analogy. Don't think it's a good idea to blend into the world. I don't think it's a good idea to just look like everyone else. But you need to have chameleon eyes. You know how chameleon eyes work? They work independently. They're going all over the place. One is pointing north, the other is pointing south. A chameleon can see 360 degrees, which really helps when big old hawks are flying overhead. They're just, they're watching everything. They can see in all different directions. We need to have chameleon eyes when it comes to our spiritual pathway. What do I mean? One eye on the path and one eye on God. We have one eye on the road we're working, but also one eye looking toward God. So for me, my prime spiritual pathway is naturalist. I connect with God through nature. That doesn't mean I just go enjoy nature. I literally, as I'm walking a path and seeing things, beautiful things in the world, I, it's, it's just it's natural within me that I'll, I'm talking to God as I'm doing it. Like, God, how did you make that? God, that is so amazing. God, that's beautiful. It it rises up in me questions, prayers that go straight back to God. So there's a sense in which I've got an eye on the path, but I've also got an eye on God. And that's how your pathway should work. So it's not just that you like to give care, you like to be an activist, you like to be in nature, but are these things actually drawing me into closer friendship with God? You know, as you look in the Bible... The concept of a walk and a path are clearly tied to the idea of our relationship with God. Time and time again, you will see the Bible use the word walk or path in a figurative way to say, this is what it means to be in a relationship with the living God. In fact, really, in Genesis 3, it's used quite literally. In Genesis 3, it says that the Lord God came down in the cool of the evening and walked in the garden with the man and the woman. Now, in this particular case, in Genesis 3, he came down and the man and the woman realized that they had sinned. And so they hid themselves. But this was the practice of God to come and walk with them in the garden, get to know them better and give them the privilege of getting to know him better. You go a little further into Genesis chapter 5, we have this man named Enoch. And what we read of Enoch in verse 24, it says he was walking in close fellowship with God. Do you see how it works together? This idea of a walk is actually describing my friendship with God and how my friendship with God is growing all the time. I don't know if you've ever gone to a a, a website that's a concordance like BibleGateway.com. It's a great one to check out if you're looking up words in the Bible. Go to BibleGateway.com and type in the word path. You know what you'll find? The psalmist and the writer of Proverbs love that word. 
And they love that word to describe the relationship that we have with God and the way that we progress with God on our journey. If you were to go, for example, to Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So clearly the analogy of the relationship is a lit path, a way I'm being guided by God. You go over to Proverbs. I mean, Proverbs is loaded with use of the word path in connection with that relationship. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. He's going to guide you along the way. As you come over to the New Testament, Jesus uses the same picture. He says, my light will shine for you just a little while longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. And the apostle John picks up on that theme. And when he writes his epistle of 1 John, he says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness. There's fellowship and walk being used synonymously. We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. So it's not that we came up with this concept of a, of a sacred pathway just because it was a, a great hook or a great catch to go in a sermon series. A walk, a pathway, actually describes the way that we grow in intimacy in our relationship with God. Now, pathway does little good if you're unwilling to take a walk. We have these great nature trails around here, and I can't tell you how many times I'm walking them alone. They're beautiful places, but you're not getting any value out of the path if you don't get out and walk it. So last week we asked you to discover your spiritual pathway. This week we want to take it a step further. We want to talk about how to work the pathway. How do we work the spiritual pathway uh, that that is laid out before us? If you've identified yours, that's great. You're going to be able to zero in. If you haven't identified yours yet, you may want to listen to the different ways that you can incorporate working pathways because I suspect as we talk about them, you're going to find, you know, that's something I do. Or that's something I've done, and I've found a deeper connection with God through that. As we talk about the nine different pathways as well, and and the way to work them, we will find that some of them overlap. Some of them may have areas that you can do something as intellectual that you can also do as a contemplative. So we're going to just give you some really, really practical ways to work your pathway. The banner over there, it says, Southfield Church, simply life-changing. You know how the life-changing happens? When we leave this place. It's not Southfield Church, a service to come sit and enjoy. Or Southfield Church, uh, sit for a while and then go do what you want. It's Southfield Church, we're going to see ourselves changed. How does the change take place? We listen to what we're hearing now and then we work it during the week. So, I want you to grab one of these, pa- grab one of these tools on your pathway and see if throughout the week as you work it, you don't find yourself growing in deeper intimacy deeper devotion with God. What I'm going to do, if you're ready to take a walk with me, is uh, lay out the pathways again. I'm going to flip the order, just so that we're not always going from naturalist to intellectual. So let's flip and start with the intellectual today. Remember, this is a person who draws close to God through study and thought. This doesn't mean just because you're going to college right now that you're close to God. Okay, it's, it's not that studying 
in and of itself is valuable. It's that you're a person who the more you study, the more you read, the more you find yourself drawn into intimacy with God. This is one of my pathways. And for me, the way this works is basically it's hard for me to get close to God if I don't know who God is. If I don't know some things about God. So the more I know about him, the closer I find myself drawn to him. Here are some things that you can do if you believe yours is the the intellectual pathway. The first thing's really important. Carve out thinking time. You need to put it in your schedule. You need to say, I'm going to make sure I take time to think. For a lot of people, that feels like wasted time. Really, I'm just going to sit and think? You need that as an intellectual person. As a person that has this pathway, you need to make sure you take time to read, you take time to process, you take time to write, and you're working that pathway really well. The second thing I'm going to recommend to you is that you read deeper. Read a lot deeper. Don't just read the most popular Christian book out there right now. Go back and and do some reading, for example, in theology. I have three nice big, well, actually not three heavy books, but Two heavy books and, and a compact one. This is uh, Systematic Theology by Wayne, by Wayne Grudem. He was my professor at Trinity. Great theology that you can read through and learn more about God. You go, wow, that's really thick. I don't know if I can handle that. Well, if you're an intellectual, you're kind of excited about that, actually. But what they've done is taken it down a little skinnier and then finally taken it even skinnier. It's not just a really tiny print version of this. But it, it summarizes it. The thing I love about Grudem is that he does theology from a devotional setting. So here's a guy who is actually showing you how you can grow in devotion to God uh, through studying theology. Now, some of you are hearing this and you're just, you feel the yawn coming on, okay? Intellectual pathway may not be yours. Just pass the book along. But if yours is, um, see if you can read this by the end of the service. Ready? Go. Okay. Beyond that, For the person who has an intellectual pathway, I want to encourage you to actually tackle some primary source materials. What do we mean by that? Well, there are a lot of people that write about what someone else wrote about, or you can actually read what the original person wrote. So you're wanting to learn more, for example, about Calvinism. Don't read what somebody wrote about Calvinism. Read Calvin. Go back and, you know, you can grab the Institutes of the Christian Religion. Again, some nice things. Intellectuals in the room are going, this is so exciting. I just need a fire. And I'll be okay. And the rest of you going, yeah, I need a fire. Boom! But anyway, you want to hit some primary source materials. Read the original author. Learn more that way. Um, Boy, you have all kinds of opportunities in terms of online learning. Almost all of these seminaries now and Bible colleges are offering online opportunities. You don't have to leave your house in order to learn more. And then the other thing about intellectuals, if this is your pathway, you want to find some fellow intellectuals. You find some other people who you can be talking to and having these conversations and pushing yourself not just to know more, but to know God better because of what you know. So that's the intellectual pathway. The next one is the contemplative pathway. This is a person who draws close to God through adoration and through devotion This is a person who loves to pray, pray for a long time, doesn't see praying as a waste of time or as a last resort. If you're a contemplative, much like the um, intellectual, one of the things that you need to do, your soul needs quiet. So you need to carve out some quiet. This world is not very quiet. This world is nonstop noise. Everywhere you go, there's background music or something 
filling the space. And if you're contemplative, you're finding your soul dry out if from time to time you're just not able to withdraw from everything. Here's one thing you could do. If you have a commute, get in the car and leave the radio off. Some of you are going like, travesty. What do you mean? You My kids, we leave the radio off for three seconds and it's jitters like they haven't had caffeine. For me, I can drive four hours without the radio on. Created a silent place, a space that I can just be alone and think and be with God. So create some of those silent spaces. Be alone. Further, develop a prayer rhythm that fits you. And under the traditionalist uh, pathway, I'm going to talk more about some prayer rhythms, things that you can do. But develop a rhythm that fits you. I'd encourage you to do, again, some reading. By the way, because mine's an intellectual pathway, lots of books to hand around today. That's the way it works. But um, this is a great book on prayer. It's been around for a long time called Prayer by a man named Oli Hellesby, Norwegian Lutheran pastor who got in trouble because he actually believed in the Bible. Um, Wonderful, wonderful book. Maybe if you're contemplative, you want to spend some time just reading more about prayer and learning how to have your prayer life challenged to a deeper level. How about the enthusiast? The enthusiast is the person who draws close to God through celebration and mystery. This is the person who, um, who just loves what we do right now. They love singing. They love the opportunity to, to just be in what they consider to be the presence of God because they're singing with other people and this is what heaven is going to be like. And so it really draws them into God's presence. What does an enthusiast do? Well, the first thing for them, I mean, it's really important. Just don't miss this. I mean, if, if, you're, if your pathway is an enthusiast, you need to connect with God through times of worship. And in fact, if you miss a week or two of church, you feel like your, your soul is full of sand. You need those times to be able to sing and express to God your love with other people. But I do want you to stretch your thinking of worship beyond just events. It's not all just about concerts and worship services. You can worship God in a number of ways. So try to stretch out and think of, service, think of worship as more than just a service to attend and a time to sing. Um, make sure your soul gets music. Just like mine needs silence, yours needs a full playlist. And, and you love, you just find yourself connecting with God as you listen to music. So fill up that iPod with great songs. I, almost weekly, I have somebody come and say, when's Dana going to make a CD? Dana, when are you going to make a CD? Yeah, never. Sorry, you're just going to have to play it over in your head. But I'll tell you what, there have been times, I'm not kidding, I'm walking down that path praying, and I can hear Dana singing in my mind. I can hear something from Sunday that's just going over and over in my head, and it lifts me toward God. So use those different pathways, enthusiasts, to really connect, to connect with God. How about the caregiver? This is a person who draws close to God by extending mercy and serving. Now, again, with the caregiver and the next one, the activist, I want to say again, it's not just that you like caring. It's not just that you like getting involved in social causes. Caring and social causes bring you into a deeper connection with God. So what does the caregiver need to do? Well, there are a few things. Obviously, a caregiver already operates this way, but you need to open your eyes to brokenness. Make sure, even in a setting like this, you know what's amazing about the caregivers? They notice the moist eyes. They notice the person who's alone. They've got their eyes always scanning for brokenness. And if you're a caregiver, make sure that you're always looking and saying, who needs help here? What can I do? The thing I've found with caregivers is they tend to be incredibly polite, 
almost too polite. And so they'll do things like this. They see that you need something and they'll say, if I can help at all, just give me a call. And generally people won't make the call. So here's what you do if you're a caregiver. Don't wait for an invite to help. If you hear about a need, help. Just jump in and help. Maybe you hear that someone's not doing well, they're sick, take a meal to their house. You hear someone's in the hospital, go visit them. You don't need someone to program that for you. Just go ahead and get involved in helping. Jump in. Further, if you're a caregiver, it would help if you try a new form of caregiving. A lot of people get in a caregiving rut. They have a certain kind of person they like to help in a certain place or whatever. Really expand your caregiving. So some examples, uh, if yours is caregiving, you might consider visiting a prison, trying that. You're like, well, that would scare me to death. Good, good. That's what it's supposed to draw you into dependence on God. Maybe it's uh, visiting a battered woman's shelter. Maybe it's helping someone who's homeless, helping in a soup kitchen, going to a hospice. But you're going to stretch your caregiving to a place that forces you more into dependence. You're not just operating out of your caregiving wheelhouse. You're operating out of, apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. So you're operating out of a place of real dependence on God. Let's go to the activist. The activist is a lot like the caregiver, except the caregiver is polite and the activist is kind of in your face. The activist is is ready to go to battle. They want to see social change take place. They want to see justice done. So what does this person need to do? If you're an activist, I'll tell you what, you're you're a spiritual risk taker. And because you're a spiritual risk taker, I, I got news for you. There aren't many people in the world that take risks. Most people love safe. Most people love a warm banky, a cup of cocoa, and being in their house. Most people are not into grabbing the sword and running into the battle. So what you need is some other heroes. I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're into, whoa, if you're an activist, um, read some biographies of people who were great social change agents. One of them that, that is a hero of mine, William Wilberforce. Not easy to say. William Wilberforce. Uh, man who basically single-handedly got rid of slavery in England. I say single-handedly, but that's not true. It was the power of God that did it through William Wilberforce. Read a biography of a man like this who just had tremendous spiritual guts to do great things for God, even though everybody else was against him. You need some heroes like that, some people that you can look to and admire and get to know better. Problem with the activist is they're probably too anxious to sit down and read a book. So buy it on tape, listen to it in the car. But anyway, you may want to try, if you're an activist, doing some prayer walking. Walk your neighborhood and pray for people as you go. You're like, well, that's not very activist. Oh, it's the ultimate activist. Because you're letting God do the work. You're not just doing it yourself. Some of the greatest spiritual activists in the Bible walked around Jericho several times and the walls came tumbling down. They didn't do a thing except what God told them to do. Would you be activistic enough to say, I am going to pray down bad stuff in our world? Um, Investigate other causes. Look into something that you've not looked into before. Think about what really moves you. What ticks you off? What causes you to say, that's not right. It's got to change. And then jump into it. But again, one eye on the path, one eye on God. This isn't just about changing the world. It's about getting closer to God. 
Go to the next, next one. It's the ascetic. A couple of people asked how to pronounce that one again this week. It's not aesthetic. Take the T out. Ascetics. There are people who are drawn close to God in solitude and simplicity. Uh, these are the monks, the monastery dwellers. The verses for them in the Bible are the be still verses. Be still and know that I am God. And they're very much drawn to spiritual disciplines. So for you, I want to really encourage you to dig into teaching about the spiritual disciplines. And there's a great amount of it available for us these days. The classic on this topic would be Richard Foster's Spirit of the Disciplines. It's been popularized by someone like Ruth Haley Barton, who's written Sacred Rhythms. Um, Dallas Willard, this guy will make you think. He's, a boy, deep stuff. Spirit of the Disciplines, and he just helps you to think through again how to work the disciplines. Um, and also Ruth Haley Barton, again, Invitation to Solitude and Silence. She actually has a chapter in there on how to just take a day of silence. Get away and be quiet with God. So um, you're going to want to study and dig into some disciplines. And then you're going to want to try them. You've never tried fasting? Try it. See if it draws you closer to God or if it just makes you hungry. Try some different disciplines and see what happens as you work them. How about the traditionalist? What does the traditionalist do? You know, the sad thing for the traditionalist, they're drawn close to God through ritual and symbol in a country that is annihilating every ritual and symbol. We're doing everything we can to move away from anything that is ritualistic and routine. And your soul is drying up because you love ritual, you love symbols, you love the routine of it, you love that rhythm. So what you're probably going to have to do is develop some of your own rhythms. You're going to have to get back and and figure out how to work some of these things. For the traditionalists, the main thing I want to suggest is that you explore some of the time-honored traditions when it comes to prayer in particular. The concept of a daily office that was uh, brought about by Benedict. That idea that you have certain hours of the day that you pray to God and, and you stop in that moment and pray. Getting used to that rhythm for the traditionalists, that'll really do great things to your heart. Uh, Stephen Machia has written a book called Crafting a Rule of Life. Kind of the same idea of working a spiritual rhythm. Now, for those of you that are not traditional, you're going, that sounds boring as anything. Guess what? Your pathway sounds boring to them too. It really does. We're all unique. We all have a path that draws us into greater intimacy with God. Using prayer books. I have a couple that I use that I really appreciate. These are just prayer books that have been written that start with an invocation prayer that you pray to God, a passage of scripture to read, some more scripture, some time for silence, some prayers that you're going to pray. They give you the topics to pray and then a benediction. But you're working through a rhythm, a rhythm of prayer. This other one is called Valley of Vision, and it's basically a book full of prayers that were written, written by Puritans and collected. And they're actually... Again, ways that you can pray that on hours of 9, 12, 6, and work it on through the clock. So for the traditionalist in a world that is not very traditional, you're going to have to find the traditions. You're going to have to design them. And you'll find your soul watered, and you'll find your relationship with God growing closer because of that. How about the sensate? Drawing close to God through the senses. When I was working on this, I got to admit, oh, let me throw this one out there too. This one was the toughest of all. I was like, okay, so what's the sensate supposed to do? Smell their Bible? What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what. Actually, not too far off. You're using your senses to get in better connection with God. So read the Bible with your senses. 
As you're reading a Bible story, ask yourself, what did it smell like in this battle? What did it look like? You know, we'll read a sentence and we'll just read it very 1D. Have you ever read the Bible 3D? Have you ever put all of your senses into a story wondering what did it feel like to be there? What did it look like? What did it smell like? Bring all of your senses to bear on the stories that you read in the Bible. Further, for the, for the sensei, you may want to carry uh, reminders that you can touch. I have a little uh, coin from England that I use when I pray for my friend Ben. He's from England. And I hold it while I'm praying for him. It's just something I can touch. I have along the way had stones and other things that, that I just, I hold them. And in holding them, it reminds me to pray for someone. It draws me closer. Um, these things are very important to a person who's wired as a sensei. Explore true beauty with an eye toward God. Stop someday and just wander a cathedral. Smell it, see it. Don't, don't just fall in love with the, the building. Allow yourself to be drawn to God through the beauty of the space. And let's go back to the one that I like the most because this is my primary, drawing close to God through nature. Uh, for me, nature is God's cathedral. I'm in nature and I'm in church. And for you, if you're a naturalist, the same thing happens for you. So what does the naturalist do? Well, duh, get outside. Stop looking at the world from your window. And I mean get outside all the time. Why don't you just go walk in the rain? Oh, I'll get wet. No, I'm telling you what, it's great to experience all kinds of weather. Go out and walk in a blizzard. Get out there in nature and experience God. Think about God as you're in that setting. Explore beautiful places. I have yet to do the Grand Canyon. But I'll tell you what, when we went to the Rocky Mountains for the first time, my mouth would not shut for the first hour. I just stared. I was, my, my family thought I was nuts. And the whole time, I'm just looking at this. I'm like, God, this is amazing. How did you do this? I'm, all these natural prayers are flowing out of my heart as I'm just looking at that place. Become an expert in a field. Here are a few things that I've tried to learn a lot about. Birds, stars, and gardens. And I don't learn about them because I really want to know about birds, stars, and gardens. I learn about God by learning about those things. The more I understand about them, the more I understand details about God and connect with him. So find an area that you can become an expert and learn more about God by learning more about nature. And if you want, I'm willing to show you. If you want to put it on your card, I'd meet with you. We can maybe have a time together, an evening, where just walk through what my prayer walk looks like when I'm having a time of connecting with God uh, through, this, through this nature pathway. So, my goodness, that's, that's like a dump truck full of ideas that you can try. There's the list again. Hopefully, by now, you've either identified yours or you're at least saying, hmm, that's one I'd like to try. What we want to see is everybody try one this week and see what it does for your soul. So take your card out. There are two things I want you to put there on the next step space. The first is if you have an idea of your pathway already, write it down. There's a question there. I think it just says, what's your pathway? Write it down. Write down what you think it is. And then from there, write down, so what are you going to try this week? What are you going to put into practice? If you haven't figured out your pathway yet, The website is there inside of the folder. Go take the test. But again, your pathway, this path does you no good if you don't take a walk, if you don't work the pathway. 
So try it and see if you don't see your devotion with God starting to grow. Next week, we are going to talk about the the positives and the pitfalls of the path. Here's the thing about the pathway. It can lead us to God, and it can also be a huge distraction that draws us away from God. So we'll talk about some of the positives and pitfalls that happen on our sacred pathways. Let's talk to God right now. Father, we, um, we're grateful that you've given us the privilege of connecting with you. We love that. And that it's not just about we're saved and we get to go to heaven. But it's about the fact that here and now we get the chance to develop a deep, intimate level of devotion and intimacy with you. And God, I pray that we would take that really seriously, that we wouldn't settle for just someday I get to see Jesus in heaven, but that we would crave intimacy here and now, that we would live in close connection with the Almighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're a sensate in particular, perhaps a traditionalist, uh, the next moments are very meaningful to you, meaningful to all of us, but it really is a pathway for you as we have a chance to participate in communion. Take a piece of bread, matzah, not a bread that you normally eat every day, different taste, and some grape juice, and you smell it. And as you're taking these symbols that Jesus gave to us, you're being reminded that he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. So enjoy this experience of remembering what Jesus did for you.
This is a call to all the dead and disappointed The ones who feel like they are done This word's a word to all the ones who feel forgotten But you are not Cause you are not Cause we're alive, alive, alive And we're singing, we're alive, alive We're alive, 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 and we're singing. We're alive, 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 and we're shaking. We're alive, 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 alive in you. That we are soaked in all the grace that we've been given, unchanged from all that Mercy's rising like the sun on the horizon, and we're coming home. Yes, we're coming home. Cause we're alive, 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 and we're singing. We're alive, 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 and we're shaking. We're alive, 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 and And that's really what this morning has been about, Lord. We want to be alive. We are not interested in a dead spirituality. We're not, did it. We're not interested in a, in a concept of God. We want a relationship with God. And we know that you draw us into something vibrant and real. Not, not, just, a, not just a theory. Not just an idea. But a true friendship. And so I pray this week as we start to work our paths more that we would see something come alive in us. We would see our relationship enlivened in a way that it's not been in a long, long time. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, You know, listening to that song, I mean, that thing's got sensate all over it. All kinds of feeling stuff, smelling stuff. It was really, what a cool, amazing song. Uh, servers are coming right now and they'll collect the offering. Make sure you put your card in there because we want to be praying with you on your requests as well as what you're doing on your journey this week. Uh, Carrie Christoph is going to come right now and she's going to share with us some about the ladies' retreat. So ladies, this announcement is for you. Guys, make sure you listen to the dates because you've got some free time coming. Woo! And babysitting. Oh, sorry, <laughs> forgot. <laughs> Just want to let you know that it's not too late to sign up for the women's retreat. Um, This is just Southfield women and friends that you invite. It's not a bigger program. It's called Relational by Design. Plan to come the evening of Friday, November 16th through Saturday afternoon about 3 p.m., November 17th. And it's at the Bolingbroke Holiday Inn. 
It's close to home and affordable at only $40 a ticket, and that includes your food. So a sweets table on Friday night, a full breakfast on Saturday, and lunch on Saturday also. Um, it's a great opportunity to get in, to know each other. Um, the women from Southfield that you may pass in the hall and say hey to, but you never have actually had a real conversation with. Um, we're going to have speakers, but we're also going to have a lot of time just to discuss and get to know each other. Um, it's also right before Thanksgiving, so it's a great time to have a few moments, a day and a half, to refresh, recharge before we hit all of the holiday busyness. If you don't know who you were going to room with, which seems to be a big you know, point of con um, nervousness for a lot of women, don't worry. We will help you. We'll place you in a room with other Southfielders, and we'll introduce you to them before you get in your pajamas that night. <laughs> Um, please consider this, ladies, your personal invitation to join us. I've tried to catch a lot of you, and I know several people have, but please, please, please know that we want every one of you there. So come and see me afterwards. The deadline is October 28th, so you have a few more weeks, but don't procrastinate. Come and see me today, and uh, we'll get you signed up. Thank you. So Carrie will be back by the table in the hallway. I'm going to have uh, Brian go back there, too. If you're planning on doing Fright Fest, uh, kids, that is, you need to sign up today. Today's the day to register. One of the questions that's come up a lot is, you know, who's going along as adults? We have five full-fledged, totally adult people. Five. Did I say five? Nine. Nine adults going along. So we've got a good adult contention going along and uh, having fun riding the roller coasters and all that stuff along with them. You talk about uh, nervousness. Some people are nervous about going to a Six Flags thing and they're like, I don't want to do a roller coaster. And if you make me go on Giant Drop, I'm going to throw up. So there are actually going to be a couple of groups that are just going there to enjoy the experience and not doing all that fast, crazy stuff. So if you're one of those, yeah, we want you to come along too and have a great time. So Brian will be back at the table as, as well as Carrie for you to be able to go ahead and get registered for those events. Let's stand and we're going to pray. Now, God, as we leave this place today, uh, don't let this be the last time we worship or think about you this week. I pray that all week long we'll be thinking about our pathway and that we'll not just look at our pathway, but we'll have one eye to the path and one eye to you. And by the time this week is done and we gather back here again, we'll be able to say, wow, I am, I am closer to God this week than I was seven days ago. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here today.